I'm just saying, if I had my own show, it would be a makeover show. And it would be called uh, Royal Makeover with Jordan Prince, okay? I just made, I just made the best idea. another episode of artsy fartsy immigrants uh, you can probably already tell from the audio quality but this episode is also basically just a large field recording <laughs> uh, i'm coming to you from croatia for the very first time i've never been here before and man today although the audio quality is a little shaky there might be some pops and some cracks and some wind uh, that I can't control because I didn't bring my recording equipment because I can't carry that much stuff on a couple of plane rides because your boy's been traveling. He's been taking buses and taxis and Ubers and planes. My carbon footprint is the size of the Grand Canyon right now. Uh, and because of all that, I couldn't take my stuff. And uh, so this is kind of just what we had this week. But in exchange for bad audio quality, we've got some good stories. I mean, I've got some, I've got quite the story for this week. So, you know, buckle up and uh, settle in. So basically, if you are just waking up and making a cup of coffee, you know, sit down, hold it with two hands, sip it cautiously, because I don't want this roller coaster of a ride to splash some steaming hot coffee on your side. And then you try and go and sue McDonald's like that episode of Seinfeld, okay? Relax. Um, no, but really, we have. A, um, I have a really <laughs> fun episode this week. Um, I'll try and do my best to spit everything off the dome since, um, like I said, I don't have my stuff with me. Okay, so <clears throat> probably what at least two of you are really excited about to hear is the story about going to Hamburg and being on television. Um, man, it's been such a fun last few days. Uh, I'll just start basically at the beginning. Um, it's, it's like a pulp, it's like Pulp Fiction. It's like a Tarantino movie right now. I'm, st I'm, I'm t telling you at the beginning, hey, greetings from Croatia, and then I'm going to go back to the beginning and, and and take everything out of order and finally get us back to Croatia at the end. It's going to be a nice nice ride. Um, so you know that the stories in Hamburg, um, I already survived them. So Wednesday of last week. Um, of course, um, a lot of you, if you heard last week's episode, you got some clips. It was a shorter, weird little episode where I started things off in the studio, and then I, I showed you the song that we uh, are going to play in the show, and then I talked a little bit being in Hamburg, but it was a little messy, and you didn't really get the big picture, so now I can finally sort of go through everything. Um, so, Wednesday of last week, we all say goodbye. And I think I explained it already, but all the organization and everything that was being told to us from the management side of the production, uh, it, everything kept changing over and over and over. So, you know, at the beginning of this, they were like, hey, Jordan, um, we have a scene with a band playing. We would love for you to um, bring your band and 
you know, record one of the songs live and do playback for the other. And I went, cool. So they licensed uh, my song, Most Famous Surprise, and I was going to play the other uh, title song that I wrote, which is on my Spotify, Smiling. And I thought, great, this will be a fun job. And they were like, get your drummer, get your bass. And I decided to bring my bassist, uh, my occasional bassist, but um, friend that I've played with for a few years, Frank. And uh, he's an older guy. He's like early 40s. He's got, um, he's got like a, a preteen kid now, like 13 years old. And uh, really cool. Very, very nice guy. A super music nerd. He knows everything about every band and every album and every crazy behind-the-scenes story. He's read all the autobiographies. He also knows everything about the instruments and about the drumsticks and about the strings and loves to go to music stores and play guitars that are too expensive. And um, It's really funny. It's, it's kind of cute in a way. It's just like such a sweet guy, really curious guy. And I wanted to bring him because I thought if there's any overnight changes musically, I wanted to have a professional. He's, he's like a studio session musician, and it's really easy to trust that he can uh, TCOB if needed uh, for the Germans that's taking care of business. And then for the drummer, of course, I went to um, my longtime beloved drummer who I have played every concert with that I could possibly play with, Mr. Mark Boysen, otherwise known as, for those who know the Brighton trip story, the ghost. Uh, we call him ghost because he disappears regularly and we have to find him. It's unbelievable. So rude. And <laughs> that's just his thing. We, um, I talked to Mark and of course, you know, Mark couldn't do it. And then I went to, you know, a second drummer, my, my friend David Jr., who I've played a few shows with. Uh, for my mom listening, David, the drummer that I went to second, was the drummer that played with me um, at this festival in Switzerland that she used to have a picture of on her refrigerator that was me playing kind of what looked like a town square near a white church that had like 2,000 people or something. Uh, that was him, so I wanted him too, because he's also great, but he was too busy, couldn't get away for three days. I get that too. And uh, then we went to like a third person and a fourth person and a fifth person. And finally, after a couple of days of really frantically wondering if we were going to be able to get a drummer for this, we found a connection to a guy um, who was conveniently going to be in Hamburg already and was a great drummer with a great reputation. And I got his phone number. I sent him all the details. Hey, it's, the, it's these days. I don't know how many hours it might be. You know, you'd have to be totally free and, and relaxed about time. And it's this amount of money. It's not, you know, it's not a, a million dollars or something, but, you know, it would be fun. You get free food. And yeah, um, he thankfully was really cool. And he said, yeah, let's do it. I thought, great, okay, so now we've got the bassist, now we've got the drummer. And then as we got closer to the date, um, I started buying tickets, you know. The production agency, or the production office said that they would cover, um, they knew that it was a tight schedule for me, they knew I had this uh, Croatia vacation coming up. So they volunteered to pay for my ticket, um, my um, train uh, or I was going to drive originally, but they paid my train ticket, the band's train tickets to Hamburg and then uh, return tickets and then my flight uh, from Hamburg to Croatia. And I thought, that's great. So as we got closer, I started buying up tickets and sending them um, numbers and saying, hey, we could do this one or we could do that one, whatever, whatever. 
And, um, you know, should I just buy it myself and then you guys reimburse me or should I send you the link for the exact ticket? I don't want to lose this or that. And they didn't respond for a couple of days. So actually, because they were so bad getting, getting back to me, I missed the best deal of them all. I missed the cheapest, most direct flight. And eventually, a few days later, when they responded like, oh, sorry, we're so busy. Can you just get it yourself? Um, I had to pay you know, almost double the price and it was a less convenient flight. And because of it, was le- because of it being less convenient, I found this uh, transfer service. Kind of like, you know, you, when you get out of, out of an airport or you see it in the movies, you know, these people come out of the airport and there's somebody there who has like a white sheet of paper with uh, the name Johnson on it or something. <laughs> and you're like, oh, how cool is it for people to walk out of the airport and have someone there, you know, dressed up nice with a, with a piece of paper that has their name on it and they pick them up. Oh, that's so cool. This is that. I finally was, I finally was able to rent a transfer service and I'll get to that later. Um, but I put it all together and I sent that over to them and, uh, Unfortunately, they denied paying for the transfer service, which kind of sucked because it was, it was their fault that I had to do it in the first place because there was no chance anybody could pick me up because I had to fly to a further away airport in the first place. So that was kind of a bummer. So I did actually lose a little money on this because of them not, not covering that. But I'm not really complaining because you'll see in you'll see in a second like the whole journey was uh, for very little work and uh, I still get paid and uh, drank a lot so <laughs> it's still a really fun trip um, so I don't mean to dive into anything negative. The point of me bringing that up about the tickets was that when I started uh, rounding up the tickets and wondering how long everything was going to be and what I should do and figuring out everyone's schedule. Um, the production office wrote me and said, hey, uh, things have changed. There's going to be an actress on the set who in the scene will be the band's drummer. And I said, oh, so I've hired a drummer to come to, to be in Hamburg and come to the set and not be on TV. And they're like, yeah. I said, okay, are we still recording songs live there on the set? And, 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 you know, are we doing things that I need the drummer? They said, yes, we still need him, but he won't be filmed. And I said, oh, okay. So then I had to go back to Andre, the nice drummer. And I said, hey, man, I'm so sorry. You still get paid. Um, you still get food. But I don't know if you're really excited about this, but... You're actually not going to be on TV now. I hope that you're not too disappointed. It was completely out of my control. I just found out an hour ago. And thankfully, he was a really nice guy and very sympathetic and just said, you know, yeah, it sucks. It's kind of a bummer, but sometimes this happens. And uh, I said, uh, I said, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. And then he, he was understanding, a little bummed, but he was understanding, so... That was the first big change. And then we got even closer to the day. And this is after I bought tickets. I bought the plane ticket, I bought the train tickets, everything settled. Literally the days are just like winding down until I leave. We're preparing everything, like packing in advance, getting the Croatia stuff set up, everybody all arranged. And then they write me again and they say, okay, so turns out 
we're not going to record anything. We're not going to do any live recording on the set. This was the, I got the, the sound mixer called me because she, she got my number from the producer when they found, when she realized that there was like a band happening there because the communication and the, um, the way that things were organized was kind of last minute and kind of all over the place. Um, this is a little bit the pattern with our friend David Helmut, <laughs> who was a great guest on this podcast uh, earlier this year. Um, but yeah, I, I've described him uh, lovingly as recklessly spontaneous. Um, he can be someone who rapidly changes his mind. Um, he himself has confessed he has a sort of a sickening uh, need of control and uh, sometimes that that much responsibility in so many different departments and the fingers in so many different pies um, leaves things, you know, unprepared and uh, leaves people who are in charge of those different departments kind of hanging on until the last second. So the sound mixer called me and said, there's no way that we can record anything live on set. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. We have, you know, the episode is a one take. Uh, and there's different people talking at the same time that you guys are supposed to be playing. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know any of that. Of course, okay, because normally the way that this business works is that, I mean, I can, I'm only speaking for the music side of things. You normally never, ever, ever, ever record anything live. If you've ever, ever, ever seen a band on a television show, and I mean a fictional TV show like Grey's Anatomy or Friends or something, that band is not ever, not at all, playing live. They have already recorded that song and they are mimicking it. That way that everyone can control the sound perfectly. That way you can see a band playing close up and hear the song and then they'll cut to the other side of the room and you'll hear Phoebe and Rachel talking about the cute drummer and the band isn't so loud that you don't hear them anymore. You know, it's all about being able to control who's talking and who you hear and stuff, and that's normal. So I was surprised they wanted to do something live. And she said, no, we can't do that. And I was like, okay, you make total sense. I was like, all right, we're doing two songs, right? And she's like, yeah. And I said, okay, so now <laughs> we're not doing a live rehearsal. We're not doing a live recording. And this actress, the character's name is Mona. Now Mona is being on screen. So now I don't need Andre, the drummer, at all. And I have to, all of a sudden, within a two or three days notice, record two demo songs and uh, use them as a, um, use them as a, as a, a kind of uh, mimic, uh, um, what do you call it? Like a, use it as like a foundation, I'm losing so many words these days, but like a foundation that you put in place to be able to play along. And then after the filming, I would go book studio time and record the songs properly. So this was really, you know, crazy. So I had to call Andre again and say, man, I'm so sorry, but actually in the end, they don't need you at all. And I'm so sorry for wasting your time. I hope you didn't cancel concerts. I hope you didn't, you know, get out of other jobs for this. I'm sorry to take the, that money away from you and the, the fun and the experience, but you know, they just tell me these things and I have to pass it along. I, I'm really sorry. And again, he was really cool and understanding. And so now we don't have Andre. So now it's me, Frank, and an actress playing a drummer who has no experience drumming and cannot play drums. 
And I'm and now the weekend before I'm leaving, I'm recording two demos, a, a, an acoustic trio version of Smilin' and Most Famous Surprise. And I'm including my friend Tim, and he's mixing my guitar and my vocals in his studio and adding some simple drum beats that I can teach the actress how to pretend to play to. And this is all happening within like four or five days of leaving, all of this stuff. So it's so chaotic and so stressful. And uh, so I, I coordinate this with the sound mixer and say, okay, before your rehearsal on Tuesday, you're going to have both songs finished and I'll send them to you. And then you practice how it works with the songs in the rehearsals. And then when we show up, we'll play along with some in-ears, like, you know, a little, a little tiny headphone that sits inside your ear. Like they, don't, they, they don't see it on camera. And then you can play along to it. Okay. So that's where that sat for a good while. <laughs> and so I've recorded the songs and sent everything off and bada bing, bada boom. Now all of a sudden it's uh, Wednesday and we all say goodbye. And uh, I meet Frank at the train station. I have uh, my backpack and a duffel bag of clothing and my guitar. And we meet at the train and it's a six and a half hour train ride to Hamburg. And at this point, the schedule that we have always been told is that we arrive on Wednesday evening. Thursday, we have a full day of rehearsals. Friday, a full day of filming. And Saturday, we all leave. And I knew that arrival day would not change because I was not going to lose money on the, tra- on the train tickets. And I knew that... Uh, the plane ticket, I would also not be changed. <laughs> I was going to go to Croatia. So uh, besides the arriving and the leaving, I told Frank to, be, to keep on his toes because you never know what's going to happen. You never know with these guys. And uh, well, we got, we got on the train, and uh, it was a really fun, relaxing, great train ride, I have to say. I was really nervous about going to Hamburg and being gone for three days, the first time in, you know, over a year. And it was so different for me. It felt like, you know, you know in addition to everything else, with the, with the pandemic also coming before, it, it just felt like I haven't really gone to do something like this for myself in so long. And it, it felt like a kind of dip into my younger self a little bit it kind of felt like cathartic and refreshing like swimming in some cool water like ah oh, right i can be me i can do this of course right that's my you know that's that's jordan hey jordan i haven't seen you in so long and we 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 rode on this train and frank was the best person to bring along on this train ride um just in terms of bringing like a cool friendly interesting talkative nice guy who's open to try everything um and of course we started drinking i I bought some beers for me and he doesn't like beer which as like a 40 year old german musician to not like beer at all is so 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 rare and so interesting to me that's so curious to me how he doesn't uh, drink it at all um quite the anomaly that guy and we um we rode on the train, we talked a lot, we drank some more, we played some Nintendo Switch, we played some Mario Kart on the train, which I love that we can do that on this tiny little screen. 
and we drank some more and we talked and talked and laughed and laughed and talked and talked and laughed and drank and drank and drank and drank. And all of a sudden, it was about 10.30 at night. We finally arrived and we got at the train station and then I booked us um, a taxi to the hotel. It showed up almost immediately. It was a very smooth ride. We got to the hotel and this hotel was kind of cool. It was rumored that it was the hotel that the entire staff was gonna stay at. So we thought, oh man, the actors are gonna be here. The director will be here. You know, unless they have their own apartment, for example, and some of the crew. But we were the only ones from the entire production at that hotel, which is funny because it was a four-minute walking distance away. It was literally down the road, just a few blocks. So I'm really surprised that we were the only ones there. We didn't see anybody else. Um, But we got there, and it was this cool, very modern, like hip, hostile mentality sort of uh, not hostage mentality, but very hostile mentality. Mentality. <sighs> mentality. Hotel. In the way that, like, um, they had rooms that were for two people or for four or for six or for eight. And I was so hoping, like, please, God, give us a room for two. Please don't put us in a room with eight people. Oh, my God, please no. Thankfully, they didn't. Uh, we did have to share a bed. That's okay. He was very clean. And he was very quiet. So again, very lucky with who I brought with me. Um, and so we settled into the room and I thought, hey, why don't we go down to the bar and keep drinking a little bit? You know, I don't have an email or a text yet about when rehearsals are, but I know the other day they rehearsed and they started at noon. And he was like, okay, cool. I was like, you know, maybe they start at 10 a.m. That's okay. Or 9 a.m. We can do that. Let's drink a little more. So we went down to the... Uh, hotel bar and the front desk said well actually like the bar bar is is closed you can't order any more like cocktails or something but they have this policy where they have two big refrigerators and one is full of beer and the excuse me the other is full of wine and you can just go and grab and take whatever you want And then you just have a sheet of paper and you just mark down what you drank. And isn't that cool? You can do it all hours of the night. So we just sat outside because Frank uh, smokes and we just sat out there and uh, in the cool air and drank two more bottles of white wine and uh, some water, which is funny because Frank said that he's uh, somebody who never consciously thinks about drinking water when he drinks alcohol. Like, it never comes to mind for him. And I said, oh, it always comes to mind for me. Like, every couple of drinks, I have to have a few gulps of water or even a big glass of water. Otherwise, I feel, like, kind of guilty. Like, I'm give- like I know I'm going to give myself a hangover if I do that. And he was like, that's very... It was so German of him. He was like, that's very good, Jordan. That's very responsible of you. <laughs> and I was like, thank you very much. Here's some water you should drink up too. Of course, he had like one sip of one glass and then didn't touch it. I ended up drinking his glass. Um, but anyway, and then you just mark it on a piece of paper when you leave. So we, you know, no problem. We had a bunch of wine, a bunch of water. Um, And then some little snacks on the way up. They had like pre-packaged little glass jars of, you know, pretzels or salty crackers. They had my favorite chocolate. They had, an for the Germans who know this one, they had an entire shelf of every single flavor of Tony's chocolate. 
and my favorite is the pretzel toffee chocolate and the sea salt caramel ch- chocolate. And they had, I mean, they had like 11 flavors. They had flavors I didn't even see before. And it was so delicious. And uh, we just put it on a piece of paper. And of course, breakfast was included, which was really nice. They also had a restaurant in the place that made special meals every night. So yeah, the first night settled in, drank a bit. It was cool. We stayed up probably a little too late. Um, Because I thought any minute now we're going to get a message. Any minute now we're going to get a message about the rehearsal. Next morning comes, we wake up around nine o'clock naturally. I think I had an alarm, I think, for nine just to be safe, but I think we woke up just a little before nine. Still no message. Pretty hungover, in a good mood though, but no messages. No note, no notice about the rehearsal at all. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Usually in film, because once a very once upon a very, very long time ago, I did go to film school. And I was like, even on these dumb, funny little student film sets, we, we had call sheets pretty, pretty far in advance, pre- prepared and planned out for everybody. So kind of strange that I don't hear anything on a professional television set. And um, we decided, okay, well, we haven't heard anything yet. Let's go get breakfast. So then we went down and got breakfast. And when we had breakfast, we, um, you know, I, I packed up, you know, it's a buffet. So I had a bunch of eggs and a bunch of meat and cheese and bread and coffee. And I loved it. I loved it. And uh, then we said, okay, there's a big music shop about 10 minutes away from the hotel, 10 minutes walk. Let's go check that out. So we walked over to a place called Number One Music. And it was really cool. It was like a guitar center or a Hebelinberg or a Tolman. It's like this big warehouse of guitars and basses, pianos, drums. And we hung out in there for about an hour or so and just played some guitars and checked things out. And that was where I made some first notes I think for you guys on the last episode and I made a little video saying that the episode would be delayed Um, and then we left there let's see we left there right okay so it was really cold and really windy and a little rainy in Hamburg and I had brought only summer clothing I mean not like summer like shorts and stuff but I only had short sleeve button-ups and some like kind of normal pants nothing too heavy you know nothing too warm and uh you know the idea came across that well why don't I just go somewhere like H&M and just get like a little coat like a little in between seasons jacket and uh, Frank thought this was so funny because I met up with my old friend Ben Dude uh who you guys knew from uh, I interviewed him I think just before uh, David Helm with earlier this year and uh, we were like, hey, let's, let's, uh, we, we, for some reason, this, the train station for some reason didn't work out. I think we didn't find a train in time or we had just missed it and we didn't want to wait too long. And I got us a car and the car drove us into the center of town and dropped us off at H&M. And, and Frank thought that was so funny. It was like, you kind of imagine like in, in Pretty Woman when the limousine drops Julia Roberts off at, um, 
whatever it is, like the Gucci store or the Prada store or something. It's like, oh, what a wonderful day in the city to go shopping. He's like, I've never done this in my life, man. He's like, every four years I'll go to a store and buy like three of everything and then I'm done. And I was like, man, I have such a thing for clothes right now. I, I really love buying new clothes right now. And like, it's, it's my current addiction other than video games. And I was like, we're going to go to some shops. <laughs> and so we went to H&M and I bought a really nice black corduroy overshirt that's really nice and funny enough Frank was so hesitant and so like standoffish about shopping you know he's he's not like a macho guy at all he's a really sweet guy but he was still kind of like mm, I don't know man I never go to like the center of the city and go shopping I'm, come on man it's kind of like whatever like let's go get a manicure after this or something you know like cracking jokes and I thought okay okay you know so you snooze you lose my friend and and then ironically, the same, uh, like within just a few minutes of being in the store, I pointed out a couple of button up shirts that would look good on him. And then he tried them on and then he bought three. I got him to buy three shirts. The naysayer was convinced and he looked good in them. And then I bought, yeah, a shirt, I bought a little belt, um, just little things here and there, a t-shirt. Uh, ben met Ben met up with us there, and then we walked over to Urban Outfitters, about four or five minutes away. Um, I wanted to get another pair of these. This is probably the most boring part of the story, so I apologize for that. But my free stream of consciousness is kind of on a roll, and I got. Uh, I wanted to get more of these great Dickies uh, brown slacks that I bought in Munich, but they didn't have any in my size. Funny enough, Ben. Uh, who was like, I don't know, waist 32 or 34, was wearing like waist 38s uh, with a belt and it was falling like over his ass cheeks. And I was like, why are you wearing such big pants, man? I was like, you're, you're not a big guy. Why are you wearing these? And he's like, I don't know, they were comfortable. And then I thought, I thought maybe I was bigger. And so then I got the belt, but they still fall down. I was like, I was like, here, look, there's some black corduroy pants here. There's some brown corduroys. He's like, oh, I like corduroy. And then of course I convinced him and he bought the pants. So I should, basically what I'm saying is, um, I should be the straight guy on Queer Eye and they should call it Straight Guy on Queer Eye. And we should all go in, me and Jonathan and uh, Karamo and the other guys. And I should change people's lives and convince them to buy beautiful clothing because me and Tan France are basically the same person, except I like girls. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, if I had my own show, it would be a makeover show. And it would be called uh, Royal Makeover with Jordan Prince, okay? I just made, I just made the best idea. Royal Makeover with Jordan Prince. Limited editions, baby. So anyway, I got my guys all maked over and dolled up and looking good. And we went back on the streets of Hamburg, but it was pouring rain and gray and cold <laughs> and windy. Still, then I wrote you guys again on the last episode. Ben went to do some errands and then me and Frank went to the Elbe Philharmonie. Check that out too. Did some touring around. Okay, so after that, we went back. Still nothing all day about the rehearsals. And we kept kind of coming back to the neighborhood to be close by if there was ever any reason we needed to go in. Nothing, nothing, nothing. All of a sudden, now it's dinner time. Now we've spent a whole day in Hamburg and we haven't made any plans or done anything. And uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, we had dinner and then we dressed up in our new cool clothes. 
And okay, you know, it was the evening time and boom, the call sheet comes in the email and we are only going in the next day. And so that was kind of uh, a hit and a miss there. I'm glad that we, you know, I'm glad that I didn't have to change my train tickets or anything like that. But I almost kind of wish I would have known that I was going for a free day in the city because I think I would have taken a bit more advantage of it besides just going to a guitar store and then going to an H&M, you know? Um, I probably would have started day drinking like a lot earlier or, or like done something a little more exciting. But we were just kind of like standard tourists, like, oh, let's go shopping and then go check out the big architecture, architectural marvel in the city and then we can go have a coffee. Uh, yeah, so... Okay, then we knew we had a, a, a nice evening in front of us with no surprises, but the next day was going to be a little early. So, of course, we went out to party. We just didn't party out too late, but we didn't get so much sleep, I'd say. Uh, we went out um, to a couple of bars near the Reeperbahn. Um, for those who know, I, there's a great festival on that street in Hamburg called the Reeperbahn Festival. And it's a really great music festival. And I had the pleasure of playing that with my band back in 2017. I think Frank played it with his band in 2015 or 2016. So, and we played the same club, which was really cool. We had like the same um, connection to the place. So we went to that club, Summer Salon, that we both played at, watched a girl sing some songs. And we had a, a couple of cocktails there. And then, I don't know, the vibes, the vibe kind of changed there. Like they went to a DJ, but no one was dancing. And there was like five people there. And I thought, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's just not the right night for this. Maybe everything's too slow and no one cares. And maybe it's just not the right vibe for this. And we, maybe we should go home. And then I got the idea. I'll just write Ben. Because uh, Ben had gone home and he couldn't meet us anymore that night. And I said, Ben, why don't you tell, tell us like maybe a couple of cool bars in the area where there might be, you know, if not live music, at least some cool music to see, uh, to listen to and some nice people. He was like, okay, go further down the Reeperbahn than you are, take a right, go down this side street and there's two bars. There's a bar called Rosie's and there's a bar called Barbara Bar. And these two ended up being the most fun places. And we bounced between those two bars all night until, until much later than we needed to. Uh, but we, there were so many interactions there. It was such a funny, like, Hamburg night. Like, we started off in this one bar, and there was a, um, a foosball table, a, ki a kicker table. And uh, we got, like, five euros and 50 cent coins and got a couple of drinks and boom just started playing this game we were having so much fun we were getting loud we were getting tipsy high-fiving and like oh getting mad with each other if someone scores and laughing and the music was amazing the music was like um uh What's, what's the one? Well, there's, there, were, there was, a, first off, there was Aretha Franklin. There was some Stevie Wonder. There was Bill Withers. Um, what's the one that's like, you know your love, do do keeping me higher than I've ever been lifted before. I don't know. I forgot the title of that one, but all these great classic Motown hits and, and uh, R&B and, and pop from like the 60s and 50s. 
exactly my kind of music. Like, I love that stuff. And um, Little Richard, like, all this great early rock. And this couple came in, and they were kind of staring and watching us. It was two very good-looking people. It was a tall, fit, you know, German guy with, like, this perfect waft of hair and very conservatively dressed but still youthful. And then this uh, blonde girl with him. And then they... I thought they wanted the table. So when we finished our game, I told them, here, you can, you can play. And they looked at me really weird, and I thought, oh, maybe, maybe they're looking at me weird because I spoke English at them and I should have tried German first. You know, I get so insecure all the time about this stuff. And I looked at Frank to maybe say, like, well, can you tell them that they can have the table, that you know, we can wait, uh, we can come back? And then I understood they were wanting to play with us. They wanted to do doubles. And I went, oh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, sure, let's do that. Um, Even though I didn't really want to do that. I don't know if you guys get this feeling, but I don't know. I was really vibing, like having my one friend there. And I didn't really, at this point in the night, it was kind of early on, I didn't really want to meet strangers yet. I didn't feel like I had the confidence to talk to strangers and I didn't really know what I... I don't know. I have this sort of anxiety about meeting new people these days. And I wanted to kind of keep things low-key. But then I just kind of toughed it out and said, all right, let's do it. Let's play a game. At least there's a, a, a task to do. There's something There's something to do that, you know, will um, keep the conversation from being so um, flat and so... Um, there's not, not that much importance on being extremely um, conversational, which helps. And so um, we started playing this game with them, and it was so fun. Like, the girl was really sweet and laughing a lot and getting uh, competitive, and the guy was extremely good. Like, me and Frank suck (laughs) or so bad at kicker, and this guy was smoking us, like, just, like, destroying us. And uh, we were making jokes, and whenever we would get one in, we'd make this huge scene, like, yeah! like clapping and slapping the table and they thought that was funny too Uh, and then the bar started to fill up around us and a little more people and a few more people we played two games and then Frank said he wanted to take a break he wanted to go for a smoke so I was like oh I'll just go with you I went outside with him they played another game on their own and then for the rest of the night before we left that bar to go to the other one we debated if they were a couple and we created this whole backstory for them like okay his dad this guy's family's wealthy uh he's an engineer uh my thing was that okay they're 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 dating they're not a couple but this is like their second date and they met through tinder and uh, there's a lot of tension between them and we were looking at their body language like okay her leg is crossed towards him so she's interested in him but they're not holding hands they haven't hugged they haven't kissed and we built this whole world of details around them who they are what they do um what they're like and we did that for so many people it was so fun to do that it took people watching to a whole new level um so we left there and went next door to a place called rosie's and uh rosie's was also really cool we sat outside at a table and uh, had a few more drinks and talked about music And all of a sudden, the vibe, we could see the vibe inside the bar change. It went from being like five or six people to being like 30 people in a small space. And they were all dancing like crazy. And you just don't see that in Munich. You just don't see like a casual, small, cool little bar 
go from like a drinking pub to a dance party within 30 minutes or something. You just don't see that. But this group of people walked in and they were so ready to dance and the music started blasting. And, uh, you know, it was some hits that I'm not a big fan of, like Pitbull or Miley Cyrus or something. But then they also played some stuff that I did like, like some Justin Timberlake or some Bruno Mars and uh, some like Eminem, just like funny, funny pop stuff that you're like, oh, I remember that song. Oh, my God. Uh, and it was funny. It was so full. So we stayed in there and you could smoke inside. So I hated it. And I, my clothes smelled like absolute garbage. The next day I smelled like vomit dyed. It was terrible. I hate smoking inside. Um, but I got over it and there were just nice people smiling, laughing. We met this cool guy who, who was from Africa and he was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, Oh, we're here for a TV. And the music was blasting. Like, we're here for a TV show, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's very nice. Where are you from? And I was like, America. And then he gave Frank a cigarette, and they were chatting, and then we watched this guy. He was like an old school, just smooth talker, man. He talked to every woman, had them laughing. That guy probably pulled every single phone number in the bar last night or the other night. But it was great. Had a fun time. And then we finally said, okay, we got to go home. We got to go to the set tomorrow. And uh, to wrap up this whole thing, basically, the next day, we finally had the day of going into the set. So we woke up really hungover, uh, had a couple of very quiet, quiet cups of coffee that morning. And we dressed up really nice and we got our guitars and we walked the four minutes over to the set. And at first we got there and we were looking at the place. I could look at it and see this is a set. I saw the, the cafe, the name of the bar in the show is called like Hello Werner. It's like Hello Vanna. And I saw, oh, this is, this is the place, but there was nobody around at all. It was so strange. Uh, and then all of a sudden, through the gate, comes one of the lead actresses. Her name is Melissa. And I, and I knew that she would recognize me because we follow each other on Instagram after the first season came out. Because we tagged each other and everything. And I was like, hey, Melissa, it's Jordan from the music, uh, like, from the show. And she was like, oh, hi. And she was so nice. And she gave me a hug. I said, this is Frank. And hi, how are you? And I said, hey, I just don't know where to go. We just got here. We're playing the band today. And she's like, oh, that's so great. And she was really helpful. She said, come with me. Oh, we go up here. This is the production office. She introduced us to the people that we needed to talk to, the first AD and the production assistants. And the makeup table was in there. And the sofa, the lounge area, the coffee station, the snacks, the bathrooms. Here's your COVID test. Here's your extra masks if you need it. Just like so helpful. And then she left us. And then we... Uh, went into makeup and I felt really like excited started making like a video journal of the day and actually I didn't get that much footage in the end I, I realized after I made it that it's so short but um, I think I posted it today already or maybe I'm posting it at but before you hear this for sure I think it's posted um, but we went to the makeup table and that's so refreshing to put this face cream on and then they you know, they brush ever so gently, they brush your eyes and your, your ears. And she put like little stuff in my hair to make it fluffy and curly under the hat. And uh, it was really, really nice. I felt so pretty, you know, I felt so nice. And uh, hold on. 
such a loud car. Such a loud car. Why is he so loud? That's such an annoyingly loud car. I'm really sorry about this. Again, winging it in the moment here without my equipment. Okay, he turned us. He turned off the engine. Um, yeah, so we got everything settled, did our makeup. Then it was time to go down. And the first scene that we were in was just setting up the equipment. So we meet all the actors. Uh, David, the director, came. We were chatting. Everyone was very nice. They said, you're going to stand here. You're going to pretend to set up your microphone and the cables and tuning your guitars. And um, someone's going to come talk to you about what you're doing for this and that. And uh, because it's being cheated as a one take, um, we had to rehearse like a three or four minute scene every single time to get it right uh, for filming. So we did that one scene of us just wrapping cables and nodding our heads at someone like 11 times. And that's so funny. I haven't been on set in so long. I forget how, how repetitive it can be. But um, thankfully, Melissa, who was the actress talking to us, kept her lines like kind of fresh every time. Um, she just told us like a slightly different thing every time because it wasn't so important what she said. Just the gist of, you know, you're going to play something when the, this curtain falls down or whatever. But she always sprinkled it with some little joke or some little extra ad lib. And I thought that was really cool. Um, then we had lunch and they fed us very well. And then uh, funny, the funny thing was like after lunch, we realized that our group of people had lunch and then they, uh, the other rest of the team broke to have lunch. So it was actually a very, very long break in the middle of the day. And Frank and I got bored. So we went into the set and at first we plugged in his bass into this amp and I realized, oh, well, here's a drum kit. Let's jam. So for about 15 or 20 minutes, uh, Frank played bass and I played drums and we just sort of jammed out waiting at any moment for someone to come tell us to shut up <laughs> and nobody ever did and then I thought mm, I don't want to play drums anymore I want to play guitar so then I stood on the floor got my acoustic guitar out tuned it up and said hey Frank why don't we play some of the songs from the last concert we did together so we started playing my songs like The Crooked Rail Smiling, Most Famous Surprise Eye to Eye Count on Me and all of a sudden, as we're playing, people start sprinkling into the set. They've had lunch, they've had their smoke, and they start sitting down at the tables in this fake bar, they're sitting on the sofas, and they start filming us and smiling, sitting there with their eyes closed. No one's talking, no one's being annoying, everyone's being like really respectful in a weird way because we weren't, you know, no one asked us to do this for them. We were just doing it for fun, but everyone was so like, oh, sh the artists are playing. And it was like that special moment in a situation like this that's extremely unplanned and, and, and unpredictable. And I felt so... Uh, I felt so appreciated. And... Uh, it was a really warm, special feeling that I haven't had like as a musician in a long time. People were filming it and tagging me on Instagram and, and posting things and David was requesting songs and people were coming up to me, the, the technicians and the, the, the cable runners and the sound people and the 
some of the actors were like, oh my God, man, like this music is so beautiful. And I was like really overwhelmed by it. And I thought, this, it can't be that everyone is so nice to me. This is really, really, really sweet. Because um, it's hard to find a mix of people that are very professional in that business and also genuinely very nice because there's so much ego in that business. And it was really refreshing. So that was the best part of the whole day, this little concert we played. And then it was time to start again. And this was finally the scene that we had all been planning for. This was the scene that we had talked about, that they had booked, that they had written down, that they had organized for me. You know, the, this is what the whole shindig was about. We were gonna mimic playing one of my songs. And in the end, what David spontaneously, recklessly spontaneous, what he changed everything down to was that in this scene, the setup is that David is proposing to his girlfriend. I, I don't know how much I really can or should say, but basically there's, there's this proposal and it doesn't go right. And we are part of the proposal. We're part of the sweet part. So when um, his girlfriend shows up, we are to start playing music as part of the, aw, he's gonna propose. And when the thing doesn't go right, when there is the problem, Melissa, the person who talked to us at the beginning of the scene, runs up and shushes us and says, ah, oh, shh, no, be quiet, be quiet, not now, not now. And, uh... So that's all we did. <laughs> uh, and we did it live. We did it exactly as uh, David had kind of, you know, hinted at the whole time. He didn't want us to play two full songs live in the moment with drums and everything. He wanted me to, like, to start to sing a song and then, you know, <laughs> and then be shushed. And so it's so funny. All of this, the whole day, the whole, like, 10-hour day on set, it boiled down to I wrapped up a microphone cable and I bent the microphone stand upright about 11 times. And then I played about a 30-minute concert at lunch. And then in the afternoon, I sang five words of Most Famous Surprise um, alone. No bass, no drums, just me going, uh, they say that anything worth it because I get shushed. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. And it was funny. Then they wrapped up and everyone clapped and they said goodbye to all the actors who were done for the whole season, including us. <laughs> and uh, then David came up to me and said, hey man, that was great. Uh, are you going to come to the party later? And I was like, oh, there's a party. And anyway, there was a, a like a uh, actors and crew a uh, little mini party on the set uh, after after filming. And I said, yeah, sure, we're just going to go to the hotel down the street, you know, get refreshed, um, eat something, you know, change clothes. And he said, all right, cool. So we went back and we talked about everybody and talked about our experience with each other. That was really fun. And we took a shower, cooled off, changed into some different clothes, some more comfortable clothes, and then went back to the set and finally just got to talk to everybody casually. Again, we got such sweet compliments from people about the music and met, made some new Instagram friends and felt really loved and appreciated. And 
Um, I talked to David. He's, you know, going to move to Munich, not too far from where I'm going to be next year. And hopefully we can keep working together. And although he's recklessly spontaneous, he's a really funny guy and a good actor. And uh, uh, he's talented. He's talented as all hell. So I hope that I can still keep work with, working with him in the future. And I hope to have him back on the show as well. But, you know, this is for the second season of Wrong, and it's going to, you know, come out next year, and maybe we can get him back on for an update on what he's been doing because he he does a lot of stuff, and he still always travels, and he always lives his life to the fullest, and there is something to be said about that. And, yeah, I met everyone, all the main actors except for one, uh, this guy Nico. I didn't get to meet him. But I met Titus and Lena and Melissa and David, uh, and that was really really cool. So I'm very honored and flattered and happy that I got to do it. Uh, It was a real roller coaster. A lot of things changed last minute, but sometimes that's just how it is. And I'm glad that we made it, made it work the best that we could, best of to our ability. And uh, I'm thankful to Tim for helping me pull these songs out of nowhere. I think since we're not using them for the show, um, I should still be able to release them as like a special sort of um, you know, pair of singles, like just alternate versions of these special songs. You know, why not? Uh, and just have a little fun with them. And uh, otherwise, man, yeah, we had, we partied with them. Uh, not too late, you know. We had I had a plane ride the next morning. He had a long train ride the next morning, so we left uh, not too early, but we left before everyone else was gone. And we went to uh, we went to the hotel and thanked each other for our services and said goodbye and uh, he took my guitar back home with him and then I yeah then I went to the airport and then that's the end of that whole TV journey which was so so crazy and now here I am just to wrap everything up here I am in Croatia now Um, I took I went to the airport and I, I took a flight from Munich, uh, sorry, from Hamburg to Dusseldorf and then connected from Dusseldorf to uh, this town in Croatia. And then I bought the transfer service. So this nice young man waited at the door with my name on a piece of paper and he put me in this giant three-row black van that was only for me. How crazy is that? It was only for me. (laughs) I felt like a celebrity or something. I was like, oh, I've just finished acting on my television show, and now I'm being picked up in my limousine. (laughs) And I even... Yeah, and uh, 